Welcome to the Jungle, the Auburn Basketball Podcast, hosted by Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett, two Auburn alums, no filter, no frills, just basketball. saw the future number one college basketball team in the country take down six players on the court we had five they had six Kessler fouled out early I got a flag I'm that excited Rammer Jammer Yellowhammer go to hell Alabama (laughs) we did it Matt we did it no matter they tried to stop us and they couldn't but the depth showed screw the refs we did it in Coleman Coliseum despite everything going against us wow what a game we were hyped up about it and man did it uh did it it live up to the hype a huge huge win i mean just to put it in perspective you talked about number one this was a night number one number five both lost there is no team in college basketball that is undefeated uh auburn is 15 and one four and oh in the sec and bigger than that i think big picture they we still, still haven't done a lost podcast. That's the biggest point. <laughs> still haven't done a lost podcast. And you steal the, the Iron Bowl game on the road. Um, Bruce was two and five in that building going into this game. Auburn was a three-point underdog going into this game, despite being number four. We, we saw some of the reasons why that is. We'll get into that. Just a terrific win. Uh, Auburn did the things they need to do most of this game to put themselves in position to withstand a ton of adversity and come out on the other end with a victory. You knew coming in, no matter how many of the memes and how many things we say, it still sucks when you're in there during it. But we said it before the game. You knew we were playing the refs and Alabama. You knew they were going to do something like they did in that comeback where they just start hitting every three. They hit three threes in a row on that one, did nine points on their big run at the end to make this game close. But we got that cushion and this team is just that good. That every time you think you shut somebody down, somebody else does something. Like you have at least three guys on this team. That are, man, Walker Kessler had such a terrible game, and a lot of that was on the rest. And it's still Jabari had the, the the night of his life. Thank God we finally got that big Jabari game. Wendell, oh my goodness, amazing at different points. So we'll see which one we pick for our MVP. But then you had somebody like Flanagan that really didn't have that great night to start. Hit those key free throws down the stretch that just did the veteran moves. Man, wow, this team. Uh, the number one team lost. The number two team was Gonzaga, I believe, who Alabama beats. So I'm going to say transitively, we got to jump over that. So that's the first. I don't know who number three is, but I'm saying if we win Saturday, we will be number one in the AP poll, guaranteed. This no, team, you're crazy. Yes, we will. We will not. Baylor lost. Gonzaga's got beat by Alabama. We will jump then. And Matt doesn't believe it, but I, I think we will. He just guaranteed it. I, I would put some money that that will not happen. Um, so, did you mention the score? I know you went, okay, 81-77. Auburn goes on the road and wins. We so, celebrate, baby. It's, this was a huge win. I know. Massive. What a huge opportunity for this team. And we'll talk about all the ramifications of kind of what they earned. It's just one game, but it's a crucial, pivotal game as we look at the, you know, arc of the season. I, I'm curious. Uh, I really wanted to do co-MVPs. But I wanted it to happen too, but you know why we can't do it? That Wendell three, NBA three, when we were when they were going on their 12-0 run or 9-0 run or whatever it was, and we need to slow the game down 
and get a good shot. And he shot that long three and missed. And you just cannot do that. He was playing so great. I was texting everyone, amazing Wendell. You you can't like, I I will stop ever doubting Wendell when he's doing this against Alabama at Alabama. But you just, it just, that decision right there put Jabari over the top because Jabari was having one of those games. And the only reason he didn't score 30 points is because we didn't give him the ball as many times as we should have. And he didn't make his free throws consistently. Yeah, um, true, true. But let's, let's talk about the case for both because it, this is a clear cut, uh, much quicker MVP than some of the last ones we've had. It, it's Wendell or, or, um, or Jabari. Jabari came out, I think he had 12 of our first uh, 23 points. He kind of carried uh, Auburn's offense early. He, he got four fouls by himself on one of their starters throughout the game. They were trying to kind of rough him up and play him physically. Jabari, I thought. If what? he waved goodbye to his guy on the fourth one, I texted several people asking that and no Maybe. one replied to it. He had know. like somebody that was guarding him had three fouls on him already. Came back in, I think immediately Jabari got a fourth foul on him. And he was laying on the ground. And I'm pretty sure I saw him waving at him. That's how like he was unstoppable at times this game. And it really feels like, sure, he missed a three or two. Sure, he missed a free throw or two. But it really felt like another team would have worked the ball to him a couple more times and he would have scored 30 points because they no one could stop him. Yeah, no, I, I thought you're right. We could have gotten in the ball a little more. But honestly, it was the most I've ever seen Bruce just go to his guy. And that's really encouraging. We went to him a lot. Um, I, I To me, the biggest case for him being MVP, it's the scoring. It's everything. He added seven rebounds, but to me it was defensively and rebounding. Um, he got some physical, tough man SEC rebounds as a young kid who's still growing and learning. I thought he had I, he had at least three blocks at one point. He may have ended up with more. He was terrific defensively, and that's been maybe just not the most consistent part of his game at times, but, man, he was locked in. He looked every bit. This is the Jabari game, and ultimately – that we've been waiting for, in my opinion. And I, I feel like he's the MVP. But let's lay out the case for Wendell Green because Auburn doesn't even come close to winning this game without his efforts. What do you think about him? Man, Wendell's just such a baller. You know, he doesn't have the measurables that Jabari does, but he's such a baller. He had an amazing move at one point where he had a guy on each side of him. He dribbled underneath his legs through and then did like a Euro step type technique and put it in the goal. It was amazing to watch. He had some huge threes. Played some good defense too. He just, you know, I, I've just got to harp on that one three because this is one part of the game he's going to have to correct. He had two or three of them actually this game. He loved the logo Wendell threes, but there's a there's a, a moment in time for them. Like there was one where we were on a fast break where he he pulled up and shot that three and he missed it, but I still said, great choice. That that would have been like a dagger moment. It's okay to miss that one when he had kind of two guys on one. He stopped and just went to shoot that three. When we're struggling, when they're having that comeback, you cannot shoot that. But man, other than that, he's still driving the ball on these much bigger guards. It's that was the whole thing was can these guards drive on these guys? Yes, he can. He's just that crafty. He had a couple reverse layups in there. Man, he's just. I texted some people. He's so much fun to watch. People like Wendell, man. So much fun, and you. We've mentioned it, but you know, he started the year as as a starter. He got benched. It doesn't matter because he's playing, he's closing every game, he's coming off the bench in each half, giving us a spark, he's totally fine with that role, it's fitting him perfectly, it's showcasing all of his abilities, I I love it, I love everything about it, the best thing about him tonight, he handled the ball all night, and that was one of my 
pregame thoughts is can these guards kind of handle the, these four guards of Alabama? He had zero turnovers as much as he handled the ball. I mean, that's massive. He did have 19 points. He had three big threes. You know, he shot 20 times and Jabari shot 14. If you're going to nitpick, you might want Jabari to get the ball. You, you, just, you have to watch. You have to watch this game to see yeah. how on Jabari is. It's really like we have so many dudes on this team. It's hard to ask them to always put the, the ball in Jabari's hands. I was texting a couple people with this too. There shouldn't be a possession at this point after we've gotten this far into the season and kind of know, unless it's a fast break, if we're in a half court offense, there should not be a possession. If one of these players is in, they don't at least touch it once. Jabari, Flanagan, Kessler. One of them has to touch it at least once. We can't have these possessions where KD dribbles for six seconds on the three-point line just to shoot a contest three. Wendell had his moments where he didn't quite get it there. If one of those three players is in the game, which I guarantee 95% of the time, one of Kessler, Jabari, or Flanagan will be in the game, they have to at least touch it one time. So that, that that's an issue when he shoots it 20 times. And part of that was some, some fast breaks and different things. But you can't, in a rough moment, pull up for an NBA three when one of those guys in the game. And on top of that, when Jabari is having an NBA jam level on fire game, he could not be stopped. They could not guard him. And he just needed the ball in his hands. Yeah. But you can in this offense. And we've seen it over and over again. You have to deal with it. You have to live with it. Wendell is um, two things about him. And then let's close the MVP. We'll move on. Uh, his, he led the team in assists. He had some beautiful setups for other people. He did share the ball well. I thought he was a great leader on the floor. Um, he did so many good things. And, and ultimately, I love, uh, Coach, you were listening to the radio broadcast. I, I love Jimmy Dykes. I listen to the TV broadcast. And uh, he, he said that swagger is hard to guard. And this team, led by Wendell Green, is just the epitome of that. Uh, he's not the biggest. He's not the, mo- he's not the best athlete. He's not the most, con- he's not the most efficient shooter. But if you watch the game and you know the game, Wendell Green is a spark plug that does so many things well. Having said that, this was the Jabari game in the moment. He's my MVP. Same. Got to be Jabari. He was just too on to not be Jabari. We've been waiting for this game the entire time to have that game where he just looks unstoppable. In the first half, in the second half, he he looked great also. But the first half was really, if you're going to rewatch the game or tell somebody one day, so far, this is the Jabari game. You tell him to watch that first half of that Bama game where he could not miss. They couldn't do anything about him. He showed every single part of the game. He backed people down. He drove the ball and got, like, how many times we said it several times in the podcast, we want him to drive the ball and get into contact and finish. And he did that in the first half, and it was amazing to watch. And you're like, you could do that every play, it feels like, and it will always be there for you. And he shoots these contested threes and jump shots. And they go in every time. What are you going to do? How are you going to guard this guy? Guess what you can't because you're going to get four fouls on you like the guy from Bama did. Maybe five even. I don't know if that guy fouled out or not. Uh, just terrific, man. Uh, Jabari carried us when we needed to be carried. And um, so that he's the MVP. This is the Jabari game. I'm sure we'll have some social media content about that uh, coming soon. So what overall, I mean – Let's let's talk about the officiating. Let's talk about the refs because I think that's kind of the story arc of the game. You said pregame, we knew it's coming. We everybody jokes about SEC refs. You know, going on the road to any of these good teams, it's it's going to be a challenge. But I have to say, the softness of Walker's first three fouls were just terrible. He got two in the first three minutes, and um, it was just really bad. 
And that it seems kinda, to always be that way with Kessler, right? It's not the final fouls that get it. The referees seem to like, if they know you have four or five on you, when the fourth and fifth one come, they do give you pretty legit. His charge was pretty bad. He kind of like really just went at it. His other one against JD was tough, man. What a great dunk by the other guy. He did not have that great of a game. He's not that great of a player. Like we want him on the team. What was his name? JD Davison. Mm-hmm. He's got all the measurables, but he, you mean under, maybe under Bruce, he could be a great player. He's just not right now, but he did have an amazing dunk on Kessler. Kessler yeah. fouled him on that one too, but you're right. It's always those early tic-tac nonsense fouls that really get you in foul trouble the entire game. And, and he, he made some mistakes. The third foul, he jumped in the air on a pump fake and the guy went into him early in the second half. And I texted you at halftime. That's what he needed to avoid. Just get through those first three minutes. And he almost did. He gets the third. The fourth was the dunk. And then right the next time down the floor, he, for some reason, decides to go charging down the lane instead of giving it up, which he's so good, such a good passer. He had a couple in this game. But just keep in mind, we just went in and beat Alabama with uh, what Jimmy Dykes is calling the best elite rim protector in the SEC playing 13 minutes. And when did he fell out, like the five-minute mark or something like that? It was crazy how early he fell out. And then he was out the rest of the game most time anyways. And then on top of that, to foul out that early in the game. And then on top of that, if you want to, if you want to talk more about, it, I don't know what the actual final amount of fouls was, but it was it was gross. And then on top of that, the people were in foul trouble. Zeph was in foul trouble. Jabari got in foul trouble. Flaming got in foul trouble. Kessler was you know fouled out of the game. But then on top of that, they weren't calling fouls on the other end. At one point, there was an eight to three discrepancy in the second half that was really bad, and like you just couldn't play the way you wanted to play. Even when Kessler was in, you could tell he was being tentative on his fouls. He got ended up getting in foul trouble. And was, I think that was part of their strategy to get us in foul trouble, but it helped that they were in Coleman Coliseum where it always seems to happen. And then on top of that, I keep saying on top of that, on top of that, on top of that, Flanagan goes to drive down a fast break, gets tackled. I've never seen that happen. I feel like he goes up there. Maybe it wasn't the strongest drive in the world, but he goes up, gets tackled, can't even get the ball up in the air. No foul call. It just, you don't see that in college basketball, a guy go up in the air like that, two guys collide and they just don't call anything at all. It's usually like, you could almost say half the time, or really most time the referees have issues with calling it too much, but it could have been a charge. Two guys can't collide like that. And there's not one of those guys that's going to get a foul call off. It's it's ridiculous. And it was in the middle of them having so many already. Like it was another one of those two where you talk about like makeup fouls and things like that. You already know that you've screwed up as a ref when it's eight to three foul discrepancy like that. And then to not even call a 50-50 maybe on Flanagan like that as a makeup to do something in there is just insane to me we knew it was coming but it's still insane to watch well look um you should be able to go vertical and that that's what that's why he let that one go and honestly you let that one go and you don't let 20 other go on Auburn hang on uh Cardwell did a beautiful job of that all night and I think the reason people got mad especially on the Kessler early foul was he was literally the the definition of verticality where you you have control of your space going up and um that was just a terrible call tv called it out they they said wow that is really bad and i think that was kessler's second um so look the rest were rough the final foul count was 24 on auburn 18 on alabama um but the big thing you know alabama shot 29 free throws we ended up shooting 22 down the stretch that that that's was when you're much... when you're up and they're fouling you for this like i wish you could you could figure out a good way to take that chunk out to show that like before they started fouling on purpose down the stretch right. it was just another level look it the refs are bad i mean basketball is really hard to officiate you have to push through it i thought auburn overall did a brilliant job 
of dealing with Kessler not being out there. You saw when he was only in 13 minutes how big of a difference he makes for this team on both ends, really. So for Auburn to be able to get this win with him playing the minimal role he possibly could, and it just says so much about this team. And I just want to give a big credit. We'll talk about him more, I'm sure. But Cardwell really played great. Jalen Williams, we talked about it on this podcast, having him being able to play center and go small. It, it was Bruce and his staff just did a terrific job. Obviously, they're ready for Kessler to find foul trouble. You know that's going to happen with a big guy. But just credit to the team and the players for finishing, the, you know, getting it done. We keep finding ways. We talked about this in other podcasts. We keep finding ways to win in different styles. And that's what it comes down to in March. That's what it comes down in basketball. When a great team can find several different ways to win. And we just keep collecting them like Pokemon cards or whatever your favorite collectible is. We have a bag full at this point this early in the season already of different ways to win basketball games. And it's so much fun to watch. And I really hope, you know, the score ended up being 81-77, but it's a way at Bama, like you said, we were even as a number four team in America against the number 25 team, Alabama at Coleman, we were still not favored to win. We were like favored to lose by three, I think. So I think I'm hoping AP voters, national people realize, especially after watching Baylor lose and watching Kansas lose and watching USC lose all in the top 10, like how hard it is to win away and people understand that this was uh, an amazing victory to do this against all odds and just shows how deep this team really is. And I think for sure, I don't know who's the number two team in AP poll this time. I think for sure, whoever that is, we're going to jump them. We're getting a ton of love and then to win the way we did at Alabama, I think is we've showed how complete this team is. It's Gonzaga and UCLA ahead of us right now. UCLA's uh, resume is not going to be that great because they missed like a month worth of basketball games. So I think we'll jump them. Well, we, we got to take it. Don't miss. We're set up for a for a, a Kermit Davis uh, assassination. I, I blame you uh, for looking ahead to next week's poll before we go. Yeah. I'm enjoying the season while we got it, Matt. I'm not. I'm not cursing the team. Maybe. I'm, <laughs> I'm um, just you can't say enough. So I do. I don't want to spend time on the refs after that. Like we overcame the refs. We overcame the road. Uh, these guys showed a ton of grit. So just to give a little bit of the game flow, right? Um, it was a really close first half. There was a nice like 6-0 run there in the late stages of the first half with Jabari off the floor um, where Auburn kind of took a little six-point lead. I think they were up five at halftime. Uh, and Auburn kind of stuck around five. They got it up to like 12 at one point. And then Alabama got all the way back on another – down to two points on a terrible uh, flagrant foul on Cardwell. That was disgusting. And I thought then, we weren't talking about the refs anymore. <laughs> I, I said it's, like, it's going to be impossible not to because so much of this is going to come down to it. But then Auburn opens it up to 14, I believe. Wendell Green's heroic, oh, and he's hitting threes. Jabari's doing things. We're up 14, and I started getting texts from people kind of saying, oh, man, what a we, we're good. What a great – job this team just they they answered the bell and then when you you blinked and by the from i want to say like the six or seven minute mark left to the last tv time yeah, we, you were right at 14 point lead was a seven minute mark you said we were you're right i got several texts also i saw things on reddit where people were like we're the best team in the world i was like there's seven minutes left that's a lot of time oh i said the same thing but mm -hmm. you know alabama evaporated that and you're all of a sudden jabari gets a charge going into the last timeout, and it's mm. it's tied up and Alabama has the ball with still three minutes 45 seconds so for this team to like take that punch to the face and take that last tv timeout 
come out and honestly they won because they just gutted it out defensively and because Alan Flanagan is the man he went and swished four free throws in the last minute uh on fouls that he you know he took care of the ball got fouled and he just looked so comfortable for a guy playing in his what fourth fifth game this year coming off an Achilles injury just he's the he's the reason down the stretch and uh Cardwell with a huge block there at the end on a three by Quinterly that I was yelling at him fun fact I was yelling at him for not being up enough on the three because I knew he was going to shoot it and then Cardwell of course uh seals the win with a beautiful block KD actually makes a smart play doesn't take a layup on the fast break gets fouled runs some time off gets fouled so just Auburn did all the little things to get this win down the stretch but if you watch the game that's about as big of an avalanche as you can take on the road from an explosive team like Alabama. They, and, and it makes the win sweeter. Bama hit three threes in a row, I believe. I don't know if it was three threes and three possessions, but it was somewhere in that stretch where they hit three threes where they had not been shooting well all night. The first half was awful. It was 14% from three for Auburn. I think it was 18% from three for Bama or something like that. And I was texting people too that it's not, we're going to start hitting those threes. No part of that was because we shot some really bad threes we shot a lot of really long range like I feel like you could tell we were a little too sped up I was also telling people it felt like like it felt like the game was 100 miles an hour for all of these players but it felt like Jabari is a Ferrari built for 100 miles an hour and everyone else isn't so Jabari could handle it and take advantage of those situations everyone else was going a little too quick a little too fast a, a little too frantic even Flanagan our veteran guy that I've been telling to say he's not going to do these kind of things shot super early in a shot clock like immediately an NBA three that he missed I couldn't believe when I saw that was planning and they shot that I thought it was Katie or Wendell or somebody else but we, we were shooting awful they were shooting awful we knew both teams would pick it up at some point but that's a big part of Bama's game this year is that they used to be really good at shooting threes this year they have not been they beat Gonzaga and Houston playing pretty well from three but most of the year they've not shot well from three and they've been like staying in games because of defense and so for them to like do kind of what they did the entire time, but when they started hitting those threes and you said, Oh, this is how they beat Gonzaga. This is how they beat Houston. It kept them down for the most part. I think they ended up shooting pretty, oh, I lost my screen. Well, we, we, pretty both low hit, percentage. we both hit seven threes. So that's a win for Auburn. They both teams hit the same amount. Auburn shot a little better. Auburn was 27%. Alabama was 23%. And it was, it, it, yeah. So they ended up not, you know, that's part of the pregame notes was to keep them from hitting threes because they're not that great of a team if they can the threes and they're pretty streaky. I really think overall they're not that great of a team. Like a lot of teams are like that. If you can hit a bunch of threes, you can win, you know, and they're sure. not that great, but they shoot a ton of them because that's Nate Oates' personality, just like it's Bruce, Bruce Pearl's personality, and they're just not that great of it this year, and we beat them in Coleman. Well, uh, big thing. Up. No, I was just going to say pull up pregame thoughts. Maybe that's a good thing to kind yeah. I I, of get. I do want to give Flanagan a shout-out again because – he didn't really have that great of a game uh, most of the time. And I, you know, I'm a big Flanagan guy. I think we've talked about Flanagan so much on this podcast and how he's that missing like piece when times get tough that you can work the ball to him and he will go get tough points. He really hadn't played that great this game. He ended up with 10 points, uh, but part of that was a four points right at the end. But I texted friends and I said, Flanagan really has to step up here. He's not been doing what he needs to do. And then immediately he goes and hits those free throws and gets those fouls. And like last minute or two where you felt good working the ball to him because he was going to do something smart with it. I thought he was terrific. I, maybe I just have like, I know it wasn't an explosion, but he, he was three for six. He was efficient. He hit shots going to the basket. Uh, he hit those tough twos, which was great driving against their defense. 
The free throws were uh, tremendous. I, he's not a terrific free throw shooter, his averages in his career. But the way he's he got a lot better at everything, that's, that's the amazing thing to watch. And what I you love about college basketball, and you hope you can t- continue to see this with all the modern new rules, all the things going on, to see a guy uh, develop the way he has from his freshman year to his sophomore year to now his junior year. You hope that he can take that next step again. And now he's making free throws. Uh, you, you say he didn't play that badly. I don't think he played badly. At one point, you texted me, is there something wrong with Flanagan? Because he hadn't played in a while. He had three fouls, which was part of the reason. But also, he just was kind of quiet this game. And part of that's because Jabari was shooting so well, too, and Wendell was playing so well. But like I said, I want to see on half-court possessions, one of the three of Kessler, Flanagan, or Jabari touch the ball. And he didn't always get the ball the way I think he should. Uh, Pre-game notes, if you want to get into that. I know we're a little frantic. I'm just so excited about this team and this win that I'm just – Ugh, it's it's a well, lot of fun. We, we still have plenty to get to, but I think our notes will lead us to some some places. We'll start with yours. Uh, can our three main guards, Zep, Wendell, and KD, distribute the ball and run our offense efficiently against the length of Alabama? I thought this was the key. Um, Zep really struggled. I'm I'm president of the Zep Jasper fan club. Not a great night. He he really got his minutes limited because he looked uncomfortable. KD ended up making a ton of contributions. We'll talk about him later. He was uncomfortable at times. Wendell Green was never uncomfortable. And uh, as long as you have, and if Flanagan helped too, I think, having him at the two slash three. So overall, I thought they were good. The turnovers were better. Uh, it's thir- We lost 13. We had 13. Alabama had 12. So we're still 21, 17, 16, 13. Our turnovers are going down in these SEC games. But um, it was okay. It was above average, I thought, the guards. I thought they did okay. Sign up for our VIP Patreon subscription to hear an hour worth of rants about Katie Johnson because we have an hour worth of rants and we're not going to, I guarantee, let's not get to it this podcast. We'll talk about them some, but I don't want to, like, you could talk all day about Katie. So we're going to move on to the next one. Good. Will, will Auburn shoot more three pointers in this game than the last couple? If so, will they make enough on the road? We know Alabama will shoot a bunch of them. Yeah. So Auburn, um, had a shot less than 23s in back-to-back games for the first time in like five years, the last two games. So that was noteworthy, significant. Um, they we, did and get above. And we could have shot less in this game, honestly. Two games in a row, two or three games in a row, really, where it feels like shot selection, we could have shot less, or at the very least, worked the ball around a little more to get an open shot. So No, good luck. We're never going to be that team. But um, I, I thought I, the threes being even is a win when you're playing at Alabama. So I thought our – um, we were not good at from three. You're right. Shot selection was a big problem. We hit enough. Uh, and then I just wanted to point out defensively, uh, and they harped on this on the TV broadcast, but uh, Auburn just did a great job. They refused to double off of shooters unless Katie Johnson forgot what his man. That's really the only time guys got wide open from three. So it was a great game plan by whoever drew that up on the coaching staff. And we stuck to it. We let them take tough twos which they don't want to do. And we kind of trusted our interior defense. That's a, they missed open shots uh, that could have swung the game for sure. I, I feel like I I saw a, a bunch of open threes, but maybe I'm wrong. So, several of them were from KD and himself getting like sucked in the paint for some reason, and then not sprinting out the very least to those guys. And luckily they missed a ton of them. And I feel, I feel like we shot really well from three when we actually got an open shot or like worked the ball around. We just shot so many bad long threes and, and half of those went in the, or not half, but some of those went in and had big moments in the game. But if we cut those out, 
I mean, I guess I don't even know what our offense at that point looks like and it keeps the game moving fast, but cut the long, crazy threes out and this percentage goes way up, way up you know? The last one is for that to happen. Can Jabari and Walker avoid foul trouble while being effective defensively? Alabama wants to attack the rim and usually doesn't settle for mid-range shots. One guy did. Uh, Jabari played brilliantly, probably his best defensive game as a Tiger so far, and then Walker got – was the victim of the wrath of the of the refs, which we've already discussed. So that was a big part of the game. We might be seeing, uh, you know, we saw that triple double against LSU and said, "Wow, he can do that even in the SEC with these SEC refs that are they're foul happy and doing it against better athletes." But now we've seen it two games in a row where Walker's in trouble. So we'll see what evens out in the next game or two. Ole Miss will be a big one to see. I think we can start. You know. It's a law of averages. I'm not going to like count him out because he did this two games in a row, especially when he's already earned a bunch of keep, a bunch of, uh, you know, whatever from the LSU game. So, well, and he's not doing stupid things for the most part. He's going over the back on offense a little more than I would like. He's getting away with it some. He needs to be careful on that. But overall, the last two games, he's just gotten some really terrible calls. Sometimes that happens. And that's going to happen in the SEC. You just hope that starts evening out a little bit. We thought maybe after that triple double and some of the way he played before, he would get more benefit of the doubt on that kind of stuff. And he is not, we'll see if maybe it's a home versus away thing. I mean, he got in trouble in Florida, but I wonder if we look at the end of the season that his away fouls are way worse than his home fouls. Uh, the last one is can actually, that's all for you. What's yours? Mine is, can we stay out of foul trouble in T town? No. no, we all knew it. We all, it's just insane. And anytime you bring it up in the national perspective on Reddit or anywhere else, people just judge you as like, Oh, of course you think the fouls are bad against you against Alabama and, Col- and Coleman Coliseum and against Kentucky, both at home and away. It's ridiculous. I don't want to hear anybody in the world tell us that there's not something weird going on because it's messed up. If you're looking for a bright spot, no one else was in foul trouble, maybe Flanagan with three in the second half, but like no one else was in severe foul trouble all game. Uh, it was, it was all on Kessler, which obviously really impacts the way we play, but uh, at least he was the only one. And good in Cardwell for staying out of foul trouble. Uh, we can talk Cardwell a, a, a bit. He played such great defense and brought so much energy. Had some really great uh, put-back dunks. I love that he stays within himself. He gets the ball up at the top of the three-point line and never even thinks about shooting that. He doesn't think about driving it. He doesn't think about doing too much on offense, and I love it. And the two put-back dunks were huge, and he played good defense, had several blocks. I think he's third in the SEC with blocks right now with the amount of like limited minutes he has. I don't know if that's correct. We need to look at it, but he had four blocks tonight. That'll help his calls. Six points, six rebounds. He just, he played really good. Even when he wasn't getting the block, he still was like glue on these guys. And he loved the, he was talking to the crowd at one point. He was pumping on the crowd. I think he was maybe in the corner. It was great. Uh, He was awesome. And, and again, you just, you have to appreciate having a guy like that who can come in, play his role. Uh, I thought he was, he was, you're under control. Like you said, he did his thing. He knows his role, the, the rebounding energy defense, man. He had some amazing steals. He did good, pretty good in his ball screen defense. Um, the blocks, the dunks, the energy, like he, he, he really, I mean, he's not, he's probably never going to be an MVP on this team with how many great players we have. But, but he, I mean, that block at the end, that is his signature moment to me in his career so far. He, he sealed the deal and he won, he basically won the him and Flanagan free throws, won us a game in Tuscaloosa. That's awesome for him. I'm really excited. Zip got in foul trouble also with three, maybe. I think, yeah, he ended up with. I think he had two in the first half. 
It says two on here, but I could have sworn he had three. Anyways, that's something to watch just to see if he, he's had two games in the SEC, I think, so far where he's had to sit for time for foul trouble. So it's just something to watch because he plays aggressive defense, and you just wonder if it's not going to work in the SEC the, quite, the way we want. He's got to watch his offensive fouls pushing off with his – That too, yeah, he's hits push off. But it was so annoying to watch because he got some push-offs. They were pushing off some, and the guy on their team was really flopping super yep. hard every time they did that. There was one really bad one. I don't know if it was Zepper Wendell that he just flew backwards. And luckily that's the one the ref didn't call, but you got to call flop at that point. Like that was so egregious when the guy barely put his arm out there. And the one on Wendell, I believe it was, was also a flop. They just didn't call it that way. He barely moved his arm. The guy went flying down the court. Uh, the last, my next one is, can we work the ball to good shots with Flanagan Jabari or Kessler during their runs? Not really. In my opinion, we worked the ball Jabari more than we have any time I've ever seen, but it wasn't that the whole concept on this team I've seen on comments actually different places that we work the hot hand. We don't work the ball to Jabari necessarily. We don't work the ball to Flanagan. So guess what? Jabari was the super hot hand today. He couldn't miss. They couldn't stop him. And so we did work it to him at times. I just felt like we didn't necessarily get it to him. Uh, we, it was very 50-50 down the, like in the hard stretches where we really needed to get a score to stop their runs. We still did some dumb shots. We can't like, I know we can't get it to him 100% of the time, every time because he's going to be guarded sometimes but it just felt like when he's that hot and they're going on a run you got to work something to him and 50 percent of the time we did 50 percent of the time we didn't yeah i mean i just i've given up like i this this is as much as you're going to see bruce hates to over um call plays he just he doesn't want to over he doesn't want to take the game from his kids on offense so Honestly, I think he's doing more of that this year than he ever has since I've been watching. And I think it ultimately he wants to leave the ball in Wendell's hands. And um, that is great a lot of the time. And then sometimes you're going to wish there's possessions where he would force it a little more. And I think if you've ever played basketball, like you can't just give it to Jabari every time. Like he'll die. He'll pass out. You can't like, especially as hard as they were guarding him. So you have to be realistic about it. I You're, tonight we have we have three guys though i don't think you have to get jabari every time i think you can also work at the flanagan you can also work at kessler you couldn't kessler tonight for obvious reasons but there were several times where flanagan i was like can we and they did they were to flanagan so i'm gonna i'm not gonna like rant that they didn't do this necessarily it just wasn't necessarily in the right moments all the time so i'm sure. glad i think flanagan i you know i think he's a victim of being out for so long as much as we act like that wasn't going to be an issue I think they're, they've gotten in their heads already. There's like muscle memory. They don't think to defer to him, the KDs and the Wendells, and maybe they shouldn't, especially Wendell. I think KD should. Maybe some other guys don't know to defer to Flanagan the way they should, but I think there needs to be that attitude a little more. Well, and I'm sure the coaches are being a little – they're still easing him in. I mean, again, he's only played four or five games. So, um, you, know his you know his minutes tonight? 26. Okay, so he's basically back, right? Another does he ever play? Would he ever even play thirty? On he played. Teams? I think he could. He he definitely has like he started. It's not the goal though, right? Thirty's not the goal, probably. Uh, it's not the goal, but Bruce will play guys thirty. KD played thirty-two, so if KD can play thirty-two, Flanagan can definitely play thirty-two. Yeah. My my last one is: uh, Can we keep them from making threes? It's the key to the game. I do think there was so uh, you know they shot. 20 or they shot 33 i believe 31 30 31 threes and it felt like a huge deal that when they drove the ball they got fouled 
calls almost every time and they earned I feel like most of their points 29 of their 77 on the foul line I feel like they really did and uh, their threes just weren't on it was scary to watch there was a lot of threes that went up in the air that I was holding my breath thinking this is when they start making these big comments and they did eventually when they hit that those three threes in a row but there were several open threes and decent threes that could have gone in and changed this game uh, that's the pregame notes I have a question for you uh, this game, we win 81-77 with all of that things going on, all the refs, all the ways we had to win this game. What's the score the other way around if this is in Auburn? I think we win by double digits. Agreed. I, mean, I think I think when that 14-point lead was happening, they don't get down that stretch that way. They don't get as many foul calls. Kessler's in the game to block some of these shots, I think. That's how much of a difference these away games are and why we weren't favored in this game. It can be that much of a difference that when that 14 points happening, we're stretching that out a little further. They're bringing it back, but it's by six points and we stretch it back out and we're doing some sort of 10 to 15 point lead on a top 25 team at home. Uh, it's a great point. I mean, it, you, you cherish these wins. Yeah, obviously it's Alabama. It's a, uh, you know, it's a ranked team. It's all that, but ultimately in the SEC, in the 18 game SEC schedule, Man, every time you get a road win, we're going to celebrate it. And if you don't believe it, pay attention to the scoreboard around college basketball. It's it's uh, th this one's a sweet one for a Baylor, lot of that, Baylor, the number one team that was undefeated, and USC also that was undefeated. That was number five. Baylor was at home, right, against Texas yep. Tech. Yep. Yeah, and I think USC was at Stanford, and Stanford didn't even have any fans because COVID restrictions over there. So. It's, it's tough to win anywhere at any time in college sports, you know. So the fact that we have only lost – we haven't lost a single game in regulation and we haven't done a single loss on this podcast is huge. It is. It is massive. I, I wanted to point out a couple stats before we get off the team area. You know, I'm always big on rebounds and turnovers. We mentioned the turnovers are down to 13. Lost by one. That's Okay. Um, rebounding, I thought winning rebounding tonight with Kessler being such a non-factor, it, it was huge. Um, 44 to 42, but just holding our own on the road. It was a physical game. It was up and down. It it was kind of like it was a different style than the LSU game, but it it had that feel of just two. They were saying this; these were two of the most physically gifted athletic teams in the country, and they really believed. You know, I think they were hyping up their game, but. I also think that's true. The way these teams play, it was up and down, and both teams were really just getting after it. Uh, it's, it's a big deal on the road to keep it that tight. I think we, we lost the turnover battle by two, I believe. One, only one, yeah. and we won the rebound battle, so that, that, that's huge in the chaos. Um, I mean, just a great victory on the road. I think we could talk about down some players a little bit here. Yep. And here, get your takes. Uh, I think we've talked about Walker. Just didn't work out this game. You hope it doesn't become a trend. Uh, Jabari, we talked about Jabari and the MVP. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Go back and watch this game if you didn't get a chance to watch it. It's totally worth it. I guess we could talk Flanagan a little bit. I think we talked about him a good bit, but any more thoughts on Flanagan kind of working his way back? Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, he did start. I think he's kind of getting that role back. Um, and he played a significant more minutes than anybody at the three. Um, Great to have him back. Great to have him as a downhill scoring option that you trust. You talk about all the time. He's a he is the veteran guy on this team. Him and uh, Jalen, I guess Williams. And I think his presence. You're right. He's gonna have to get worked into the rotations a little bit. Maybe some of the play calling. But I think tonight goes a long way. He was efficient. 
He played good defense. He did not get any help tonight with calls. He was kind of – and he got some really bad, like, ticky-tack stuff called on him, and he was frustrated. Um, but I just thought his presence, his defensive – he's so consistent on both ends. He's just kind of a steady force. And this team has some up and down in it. You know, when you look at a guy like KD, look at a guy like Wendell, um, there's – there's some roller coaster moments, but not with Flanagan. He's just so solid. And it's great. It's great to have him back and see him take some hits, go on the ground, be okay, all that good stuff. So it's good to see him healthy. He, he, he can do a thing on this team that no one else can do that's, that's a big deal in college basketball. I feel like he can do these kind of probing drives that no one else in on this team can do. KD and uh, Wendell can do these like kind of not out of control, but when they're going, they're going full speed down there and they're smaller. You know, it's kind of like if KD had the body of Flanagan, he would be unstoppable, honestly, but he does it. He's a little smaller. She's not going to yell the foul call. Some of the times he's not going to be able to finish the way he should, but Flanagan can kind of do this thing where he can very competently dribble into the lane and either finish bodying up somebody and probably getting a foul call or pass it off. And it's not out of control. It's right where you need to be. He can even do the jump stop kind of floater thing. And he did one this game where he did a kind of probing drive and then pass it to somebody else for a score. I just love to watch it. I think it's going to keep developing. I think it's going to be key that he can do that in key moments. Uh, next one is a, a bomb. I say we keep our thoughts on Katie Johnson to 30 seconds to a minute. I'm going to say about KD. For my, you want you want you want to go first? You go first. You, get, go you first. get thirty seconds. I get thirty seconds. I've got the timer up. Okay, ready? Go. Uh, KD giveth and he taketh. He's got to stop taking these like selfish threes and things like that. He got there was one really bad one where he dribbled for a while, like like probably five or six seconds at the three line. And they took a three. It was awful when we really needed it. Uh, but he makes some great plays too. He's got to stop running at the goal and not trying to score. He had a break, a fast break where he stopped and drowned the foul and then missed the two free throws, I believe, after that. Just tried to score, baby. He's got amazing touch. He's so athletic. He can steal the ball. But, man, uh, he giveth and he taketh. Well done, sir. All right, mine starts now. Uh, eight rebounds, some good things, some better decision-making down the stretch. But some of the offensive decisions, they just have to stop. They've got it. I am more on your camp after watching this game from last game. If you listen to our last episode about the roles, I, he's going to have to have games where he performs really well and scores for us, but he's got to know when to do it. And uh, he did bounce back with a much more steady, solid second half and helped us secure this win. All right. We've got our 30 seconds in there. We talked a little zip. Uh, he got in a little early foul trouble, quieter game from him. I think we saw in that South Carolina game, he can pop up at times and do some things for us. We didn't need him to do it a lot. Wendell steals a bunch of his minutes because he's playing so well. So I don't, I don't know what to say about Zep. I know you're the Zep guy. Um, you know, I was a little, I'm a little worried after seeing he struggled. Uh, he's got to quit chicken arming people away from him. And I'm, I'm not as concerned about his defense, but I do think people are going to try to pick on him and Wendell and KD and their size defensively. And I think that's I, I something think to watch. I think after this game, I think people, the, the book start, might start being out and Zep to pressure him the way he, I think that's two games in a row or at least two out of like the last three or four, he's gotten called on pushing off the other guy. So I think that will be something to watch. People start doing that. It doesn't happen to Wendell as much. Wendell, you see him speed past guys. A lot of times if they come up on him a little before the half court line, a lot of times Wendell can hit that next gear and go right past him. Uh, Zep doesn't seem to quite have that. And that's about the time that Zep 
pushes his arm out and gets some of those. So just something to watch. I would just say don't take for granted a point guard with this lineup that doesn't care if he doesn't shoot at all or score at all. He didn't score tonight. He does not care. That's not his game. So when you have KD, Flanagan, Jabari, and Walker on your starting lineup, he is the perfect fit to start with that group. And then how he's playing and how Wendell's playing determines kind of how the rotation goes from there. Uh, next up's uh, Jalen. Jalen, I know you're a big fan of Jalen. He uh, he had some solid minutes this game. He just every game he I know I feel like I'm the negative Nancy of the two right now, but every game he has a, a possession where he I don't I think maybe because he does have limited minutes. Sonny thought this on the radio broadcast that he maybe pushes a little too hard because he has those limited minutes and thinks he needs to make a play. He doesn't need to make a play. He's going to have his year next year. That's he's going to be a big deal. He just he'll dribble into something where he, he I think he just threw it away this time maybe or got his pocket picked but I just every play every game can point that out but he played good defense he played he was a solid it's very interesting to see the lineups when Jalen and Cardwell are in it's always kind of fun to watch that or, or not even just that one but the Jalen Jabari uh, lineups are interesting to watch we played that a decent amount tonight and I'd love to see more of that on some of these fast paced runs I'm glad you mentioned that I mean to me. Jalen's versatility is just – it's huge. I mean, last game he kind of bailed us out off the bench when Jabari was in trouble, scored 14. He showed a lot of what he could do. This game, his real value was being able to play small ball five center for us. And what was interesting is Alabama did not put their freshman big guy out there. They kind of countered with the same kind of thing, and I think that was a sign of respect. They didn't want a big guy having to chase Jalen Williams around the perimeter. Um so I've always been curious, the basketball nerd in me has been curious what would happen in a big game. And I didn't know if it would be foul trouble or just choosing to not play Kessler at the beginning of the season. I wasn't sure Kessler was going to be in every possession center. He obviously is, but. A guy um, that big usually isn't, you know, yeah, and Kessler's exactly. really, even, even with a game like this and a game like Florida, we still, it's much respect on Kessler. I think it's about- like our third center. We always want three centers. He's our third center. Yep. Sorry, stretch. Sorry, <laughs> so stretch. we talked. We talked about Cardwell a decent amount already. I just say love Cardwell. That other podcast that that was saying they were disappointed. I can't believe that. I think he's really showing them up right now. So I love Cardwell. I love the 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 hype. So uh, the next one's uh, Cambridge. Pretty uh, pretty quiet. Yeah. As Aliyup had a great tip in before half to get a couple key points on an offensive rebound. He nearly killed someone on an offensive rebound attempt. Put back. He got a Second foul. Time. Second time in a row, right? That he's jumped over somebody like that and landed on him. Yeah. So you got you got to cut those out a little bit. Uh, I guess you know we didn't talk about Cardwell there for a second to go back is that stupid. Uh, what was that? What they call flagrant foul? I can't believe they call that a flagrant. It just showed how ridiculous this game is that he was going for a block. It sure it was through the body a little bit, but that was it. Just kind of showed how weak these referees were. All these fouls, like a lot of times these fouls they could be called fouls. It's just like that, like in other sports, like you can call foul every time on every play, but to call, that's how they showed how weak they were, that that would be a flagrant, but that was just a regular foul. Yeah, I don't want to get too caught up on that, but it was bad. To me, refs have gotten way too involved. Like no one on the court, either team, thought that was a flagrant foul. Everybody was going to the free throw line to get set up. And then, People were confused like, well, what they were reviewing. They thought they might be reviewing a goaltending. They didn't know what was going on, why they were even going to the, the video call. Yeah, ESPN was on top of that one. And I knew right when they started reviewing it that they're going to – I just – he actually – I don't even know if he hit him in the face. I, he hit him in the shoulder, and it 
got really close to us, but I'm still not convinced that actually he actually hit him. So okay. ridiculous. Just another example of how weak the, these referees were this game. Uh, next one's up is Lior. He didn't do anything at all. Two minutes. We pretty much, Bruce, this is the shortest he'll play. He played nine guys. Lior was the 10th. He played two. Chris Moore did not play. Stretch did not play. Um, and I think that's a function of Flanagan. Flanagan's back in the mix. They want to get him minutes. Uh, we've talked about how his return kind of limits Chris Moore and Lior the most. Um, but we've seen this year, COVID year, um, fouls, injuries, you've that he and he and Chris need to be ready. We we talked about Wendell already. He's the last one on the stat sheet. We're officially on Chris Moore watch. There's nothing necessarily that's an issue or anything, but I think after two Instagram posts, I know this is crazy, but it's a fan podcast. We can talk about nonsense. He's made two Instagram posts now, like one's like unleash me or something, like I could be a beast or whatever. And what was the other one you sent me? He said something else about wanting to play. And it's just like you wonder what he's saying in the locker room and what he's saying on the bench if he's posting on Instagram about kind of wanting to play more. And uh, he didn't play at all this game. And I think that was really huge, especially when there was foul trouble. It was a fast game. There was a lot going on. It was interesting to see the the uh, lineup shrink, but Lior still get two minutes and Chris Moore not get anything at all. And I don't know how many minutes Cambridge played on here but it didn't feel like 14 it felt like even less than that he really didn't play a ton but he did you're right he did get that alley-oop that was you gotta love him um Chris Morris said unleash that man was the that was that was there was another one too he had two the other one. but you see you sent me another one so he uh just watch out for Chris Moore I think he's I think he's all set and going to be developed to play next year but with kids these days you just you never know what they're thinking and what they're ready for. Yeah, you just hope he sticks it out through the end of the year. And if he doesn't think he's going to get to play that much even next year, then sure, go go do what you want to do. Um, anybody else? It's everybody in the game. We can talk about the opposing team. We, I feel like we neglect yeah. the opposing team to somewhat. I don't know if there was anybody on the opposing team that really, like, wrecked us. It was interesting that Jabari – really abused this Gary guy and waved him off and got four fouls on him really early in the game. And I think they just didn't even, I don't know even if they put him back in because he was abusing him so badly. I mean, to me, the key with Bama, uh, Quinterly is just a terrific player. Um, he, uh, he had 14 points. He led them in scoring, but he was four of 19. You know, he, he took a ton of shots. I thought we did a great job defending him. Um, two of 10 from three. Shackelford hit a couple late on their run. But uh, he was four for 14. Uh, we just did a really good job on their guards. And um, I ultimately, I'm, I was just really impressed um, that Quinterly can go, man. He is a terrific player. And I thought we did a great job on him. No, they keep bringing up Chris Moore necessarily. The first time he said, I'm being humble. I could really be a beast after. Okay. Why I think are we talking about Chris Moore again? before the South Carolina game. And then today or the day before, two days ago, he said, unleash that man about himself. I'm just saying, I think that's an interesting thing to watch. So Save it for the another, another guy to talk about is JD Davidson, because he almost, yeah. for people that don't know, I think most people that listen would know this. Uh, he was uh, not necessarily heavy lane, but a lot of people are projecting him to come to Auburn to play point guard and be Bruce Pearl's next guy. There was another guy named Scoot Henderson that we really thought we might get that was better than him even that we really we're going hard after we got screwed by the G League again, a reclassification and a G League. These guys are really leaving early. I feel there's a couple guys I was ranting to Matt about that 
could really use some more years. We really got to like, you know, you want to give these guys freedom, but you also like got to think like these kids are 16, 17 and they're like, they're doing this stuff too early. I don't know what Scoot Henderson's up to right now, if he's playing well or what, but JD Davidson ended up going to Bama. He was one of those guys that you just kind of knew from the message board chatter and everything. He wasn't ever not going to Bama eventually. He just had connections to Bama, if you know what I mean. It just felt like that kind of guy, you know. He's got insane hair. He's been coming off the bench for them. He's been fine. He's kind of like Justin Powell over at Tennessee that you thought was going to be a big deal, and everybody's very angry that he ended up going to Alabama over Auburn and Justin went to Tennessee instead, and they've both been all right. JD clearly showed he's very athletic and he's just not, he's going to take a year or two to develop. It feels like he might leave early just based off of measurables because he's a tall point guard, but you feel bad. Like, man, how can you doubt Bruce? How can you not come play for Bruce when he's doing what he's doing with the McCormick's and the Harper's and the, now with the Wendell's, like, how do you not want to play for him as a point guard? Would have been real bad if Alabama had won that game. And that dunk really was kind of the turning point of the last momentum swing that they had. So really good to kind of get that behind you. He's a good player. I, I saw he may be a mid first round pick. So this may be the only year Alabama gets him just on his potential. You know, he's, he's a very he replaced John. He, he replaced John Petty's ridiculous haircut. I know it's like two guys talking about black dudes hairs, but they're I'm ridiculous. Anybody's hair. I just want to, I do. I'm going to gonna mention it. JD Days has said he hasn't cut his hair since second grade and it's ridiculous and huge. It looks like a super Saiyan style and he dyes it blonde, I believe, which I, I, I can't imagine that's natural blonde, ridiculous hair. So you'll have to see it to believe it. It's ridiculous. If he cut it, maybe he would get an extra inch off his jumps because it probably weighs so much. Roasted. Boom. Um, ultimately, I just... It, we really did a good job on that team offensively. Alabama's clearly explosive. They've shown the high end, being able to beat the teams they've beaten. But I think we were able to use some things from the other teams that have beaten them. You know, Missouri beat them last weekend, you know. So uh, I think we were able to kind of catch them at a good time. And it's just awesome. And now such a great opportunity when, a, you know, a couple of weeks when Auburn hosts Alabama, a season sweep of them. They swept us last year. We were down would be huge for Bruce and as he continues to build this program and it's, it's a real competition, you know, in the state. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the SEC. To me, that's the most exciting part of this win. 4-0, um, you know, getting a two-game lead over Bama is huge. We have a two-game lead over Tennessee. We have a one-game lead in the tiebreaker on LSU. Um, Kentucky's coming up. In a couple of weeks, we get them at home. AM won again tonight. Texas AM beat Ole Miss by 16. Um, does, it feel like the new, does it feel like the new tiers, like Texas AM has taken Arkansas's place kind of as that team to watch out for? And now it's you got Auburn sitting squarely on the top, and then you have a, a Kentucky the team that's talented, but they lost at LSU, a team we beat. But you still feel like Kentucky's got the talent to be scary. And we're lucky that we only played them at home which could be huge. And then we already got LSU at home, which I think we only played them at home also. And it feels like it's Auburn, then Kentucky LSU, then maybe like a te like Texas A&M could be a surprise, Alabama. more from A&M. Yeah. yeah. Texas A&M could be kind of joined that conversation with Alabama and Tennessee being a surprise team. But Tennessee's been down. Alabama's been down. They both had bad losses, but also really good wins. Tennessee beat a number six ranked Arizona. So you know those two teams can jump up. So – 
I'm not happy the Texas A&M is looking good. We play them. I think we might only play them at home too, right? Or maybe they're just away. I don't think we play them twice. I think we only play them once, and I think it's away. Makes sense. They've had our number at home. They're, they've. We were debating on – we've only lost like four games at home when fans are in the stands in the last like five years, and two of those is Texas A&M. A&M's beaten uh, Georgia, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. So it's not in two of those were at their only road game in that was at Georgia. So I mean they they've they've still got a lot out there. Uh their yeah, they, they, we should have looked at their schedule first, I guess, because we talked about how Arkansas could have jumped out to a big lead with easy schedule to start out with Georgia and Arkansas team was way overranked, then Ole Miss at home and then at Missouri, who I know at Missouri beat Alabama, but Missouri is kind of squarely also down there with Georgia at the bottom, a step up clearly from Georgia because they could beat Alabama and Georgia's not going to be anybody well, Missouri with Missouri was actually the lowest team in the net rankings in the SEC uh on Saturday when they beat Alabama so yeah they've, they've gone up so we can talk also you know we talk SEC now we're playing so good we can talk national basketball isn't that something we told the AP poll I know we already talked about it a bunch at the beginning but we got in at number four over the weekend we were like begging to be in the top 10 just a week ago it's very really frustrating and we kept like edging closer to the top 10 you go get those LSU wins and South Carolina, Florida, and other people losing in front of you, and all of a sudden, bam, top five team, number four. We got Baylor at one, who lost tonight to Texas Tech at home, which is going to be, I don't know, probably from the net perspective, I'm sure like they, in the AP things move a little slower because people, they have their opinions, these AP voters and podcast hosts and radio hosts, they've already talked about amazing Baylor as they can't go back on that now. They're only going to drop them five or six, not even that, they'll probably drop them to four or something like that or three. But then you got Gonzaga. I think we could jump them after because they beat, they lost Alabama and we beat Alabama. I know it's like, oh, I think it was a neutral for them or whatever, but I think that's a square thing. Then you got UCLA. They're 10 and one. They missed like a whole month because of COVID. I can see us just jumping them. Basically, they have enough, they have enough, have enough wins yet. Now, this is all saying that before we go to Ole Miss, who's had our number. So take that with a grain of salt if we come back on here next week and we're not that great. Next is top five. To square up the top five is USC, who also lost to Stanford tonight. So two of the top five to lose. I think we're also going to get that extra bump just by showing that we can go on the road and beat Alabama, a ranked team. I think that's going to really get us a big jump. Well, and and you mentioned it's the respect. And, and a big part of getting this win tonight is handling everybody's best shot. You know you're going to get Alabama's best shot, especially on Iron Bowl trophy night and all that. But, like, CBS – put us at number two in their poll this before this game, you know, and, and Joe Lunardi, the, the revered bracketologist at ESPN had us as a one seed before this game. So and John Rothstein's going to buy a Jersey because he's been on this the entire time. That guy's been ahead of it for weeks now, for months now. So I'm on the pod, John. I'm on the <laughs> pod. Um, I, I, it's just, the big picture, if you're looking, zooming out, big picture, obviously Auburn is going to chase an SEC championship like crazy, um, but we're building a resume for March, right? That's what it's all about, and we are in as perfect of a spot as I think anybody could have hoped for, and I think that's the exciting part. I mean, it, we've seen it in the league already. It's going to be – there's nights where it's not going to go your way, um, but I think getting this win – you know, we have, we have at Ole Miss and Georgia at home going into Kentucky is the next big one here in a few. I mean, potentially 6-0 and to start the SEC going into that Kentucky game. Um, that That's where you want to be. That's a good spot. 
we talked about the, the, the hardest games on our schedule. Well, we just ch- checked off one of them and Kentucky can be the next hardest game probably on the rest of the schedule. If we look all the way down, even it's at home, you know, the jungle is going to be going nuts. The Kentucky, this Kentucky team, you, we might look up in March still and find out this Kentucky team was amazing. And they just were killing everybody because they finally got their talent kind of in a row. But right now, especially with the way we have talent, we have the number one pick on this team. So it, it's not like it used to be where it feels like we have to have a better team and they have better talent that might could turn into a team. We have a lot of talent that's already a team. They have a lot of talent that's turning, trying to turn into a team. So I say right now, we got the edge. I mean, they're number ranked number 18 right now, and they're coming to our house. So they could definitely beat us. But then going down there as a schedule, I mean, there's some away games. We'll drop a game or two. Like, don't expect that. And it'll be frustrating because we'll be the better team and we're going to still drop it because these are college kids. And you saw how hard it is tonight on the road at Alabama. So we, we will drop something. Uh, maybe I'll ask, you know, you got take out Kentucky at home. Where do you see our most likely losses going down the stretch now? Name one that you feel the most scared of other than Kentucky. Um, uh, Alabama terrifies me. I, I know you were kind of down on them. Uh, even at home, I, I think they are a dangerous team. They are not fun to play. I hate that they have a good coach. I miss Avery Johnson. I wish he was back. Um, they're scary. At Tennessee, it'll be scary. Tennessee is – what? That takes A&M games at home, by the way, now that we're looking oh, at the schedule. So, they've had our number at home. That might be the one we drop. That's kind of scary to me after the history of it. I mean, you would have to say Alabama, Kentucky, at Tennessee um, – AM, maybe we'll see. At Arkansas is a brutal place to play. And then we've talked about our struggles with Ole Miss. We played them twice. So, um, it, but, but like we talked about in the SEC preview, it sets up really nicely for us. Like sometimes we get screwed over by the schedules and the SEC and stuff. But like this is a very nice schedule if you're trying to win a championship. And obviously starting 4 0 helps a lot. Um, I'm more concerned about the night to night battles. You know, I, I There may not be a ton of ranked teams on this list, but if you don't think it's a deep league in terms of like teams four through 12, you're, you're missing it. I mean, that anybody can beat you. And I really do believe that. I I think it's going to be an all out war in the middle of the conference because they're going to see Auburn as a, as a resume builder to get them in the tournament. I mean, all these teams that are going to be battling on the bubble uh, I think that's why you saw Florida give such great effort the other night. And you're, I think you're just going to see that over and over and over again this year. It's it's not going to be easy, like you said. Taking out, like, any thoughts of injuries or anything like that, there's probably another injury left in this team that you hope is just like a nagging kind of thing or something. But how many – what should we expect now? What should, as a fan, like, is, and we look up at the end of the year, how many losses should we be happy with after seeing how well we're playing? Well, I sent you – I mean – you know, this point, we're not going to be, we're not going to be not favored in any of the rest of these games, probably. Right. Should be favored. I mean, I know we, I know we had that three point. We were not favoring this Alabama game, but no one else away down the schedule other than maybe Tennessee, if they start getting it together, right. we'll probably be yeah, favored. You're right. But it's going to be a lot of small favorites. You know, just, that's just how it is. That's, be. that's why you got to set an expectation of how many losses should we expect in here and like, look up at the end and be like, that's all right. We expected to lose a lot too. Three, four. We won the league at 13 and five a few years ago. That was a little low. Most of the time it's going to take 14 and four, 15 and three, something like that. 
uh, to win. And I, uh, that's our goal. This it always has been our goal. But when you're sitting at four and zero ahead of everybody, um, except A and M, they're three and zero with two big wins. The at home against probably which is the other best ranked SEC team against LSU and away to Alabama. So we've already struck off two of the biggest ones on there. If we so it's beat, tough, right? Because you don't you don't want to be ridiculous and say, oh, maybe one, maybe two, because it didn't sound right, but that well, might be right to expect maybe two losses. I, I'm not going to get into that. If you're a math nerd, though, I text you this. I think I think we put it out on the Instagram. Maybe you know, if you run all the numbers on the projections of these teams, and you know, what is the most likely outcome of this schedule before the Alabama game? The most likely number of regular regular season wins was 27. We're playing 31 games, so that would be 27 and four, which would be it would have been 15 and three in the SEC. That's the most likely scenario. Is there uh, that same thing you looked at? Can you refresh it after this Alabama game? Because I bet you that was what they had on there as a loss. So it'll, it'll, they got Josh Dub. Shout out Josh Dub on Auburn Twitter puts that out uh, after. I don't know how he does it, but somebody, somebody crunches those numbers. And again, just to be clear, there's like a 30% chance of going 27 and four, but that's the highest one of all the regular season number of wins. So that may give you a barometer. Ultimately, for me, it's just about winning the league and, you know, winning the SEC championship is so hard. I think it's the hardest thing in college basketball to get is a regular season conference title when you're in a league like this. Um, and we're in a really good spot to compete for that. It's getting late over here on the East coast time, but I do want to do two say two more things. We play at Ole Miss next game, super tough after playing at Alabama to get back up and go at Ole Miss super big trap game. Kermit Davis has Bruce Pearl's number, the way they play their zones. We've had, so many issues over there. You hope that with this talent, this team, we can break through, but it's already bad enough that we have to play Kermit Davis with our number in Oxford. It's even worse that we're going to have to come off of this humongous win and get back up for that again. I don't know how Bruce is going to do it, how he's going to get that motivation going with them to take them as seriously as they did Alabama. But if any coach can do it, it'll be Bruce Pearl. Well, and um he knows that we're only a game ahead of Kentucky in the loss column. I think that'll be one of the big things. He may not talk about that with them, but that he'll get their attention. Um, and Ole Miss, we're, I, you may think we're crazy. We've seen it a lot. Ole Miss went to Knoxville, lost by six. Uh, they beat Mississippi State by 10. And then they, they lost by a good bit to A&M tonight on the road. So they're coming back home. Um, I don't even know much about their roster, but I can tell you, Kermit Davis was at Middle Tennessee. He did a terrific job with that program. He is a really good coach. And Bruce will tell you him and maybe Frank Martin are two of the guys who have just given him fits in this league uh, over the years. We we called our shot on Coleman Coliseum that we'd have to play six people. We're going to call our shot. We're going to struggle with that zone over there with Kermit Davis and Ole Miss. And it's going to be a really tough, hard fault game. And it'll be a big deal if we can pull that one out too. It won't be as big as a deal as beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa, but it'll still be another like, Pokemon car, whatever collection of wins you want in our bag. And the, the last thing I want to do is I want you to pull up the Auburn Twitter reactions. I want to see where like an hour post game. I want to oh. see how many comments have been left on the Alabama Twitter. Well, there were 800 in the first minute <laughs> after, after the, uh, after the game went final. We all bow down to the Auburn Twitter fan base. Hang on. Um, what was my other thought? Ole Miss. I had, I had a no. I'm done with Ole Miss. Um, 
I did want to bring it up. Oh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, right on the buzzer, Jabari and KD decided they were going to do the, uh, you know. Uh, how does that become a thing? I guess and, I don't, I'm so out of the F word right now that I know this is an F word uh, well, like thing, but crane kicking. All right. And I believe, I believe John Mechie for Alabama did that, like had that as a thing. And then in the football game, I can't believe I just said football. I'm sorry. In, in the F in the F word game? The F word game. That was you need to mark this thing explicit. If you're going to actually say the F word, you better mark this podcast explicit. We started doing uh, that. And so we apparently not only did it then, but after giving handshakes in the Alabama line, did that to the student section of Alabama on the way out. It's getting spicy out there. It's getting spicy. I love it when the, the young kids that have just jumped into this rivalry really understand how big of a deal it is. You do love responses. it. Yeah, we got four. We got four point eight thousand responses. Forty eight hundred, uh, and that's about an hour ago. And they're like I said, eight hundred in the first minute. So people wow. were wow. Four thousand eight hundred. You want to click on it and see if any pop up that are real good. Oh. I'm just excited about this game. I, I can, can really, for real. If you know anyone that's like gotten early on on this Twitter meme thing and wants to explain it to us or is part of that community or anybody you want to respond to Instagram and tell us like this guy is the goat of the memes. He always has the best memes. We want to talk to him. We want to learn his process. We want to know how he's thinking. We want to be his best friend. So let us know. Who we should really good. Pablo Escobarner. Uh, what we got here. Go back up to the, the Greenland ones that Wendell Greenland. This L was brought to you all the way from Wendell Greenland. And it's a God. Greenland with Wendell kind of like back on the graphics there. You want to give Van Allen Plexico a shout out or not? Yeah, Van Allen Plexico, Auburn podcaster extraordinaire, was sitting on his sofa tonight to witness defeat. Was that him? Did he post that? Who posted that? Oh, he did actually, but it was <laughs> somebody else. Somebody else made that a couple weeks ago. Okay, we're cool. We love the we love the wishbone. We have our own thoughts cool. about all the sound clips and stuff but if anybody from wishbones related oh. we love you guys so angel purifoy did the the crane kick and they made a meme out of it don't get me started on daniel purifoy we don't need that uh on a recording all my thoughts on daniel purifoy how about wendell green winking at the camera after he hit it they, they they were playing to the camera tonight uh kd also looked into the camera at one point tonight they knew there was a big moment on espn you think that's part two of jabari he was like, went off tonight. Yeah, you wonder if he knows, like, this is an ESPN game. It's my moment to go, like, lock down this number one pick, you know? And that's great. If that's him in the moment, if this is how he's going to play with the pressure, that's huge that come March, come these rest of these big games, that he thrives in that situation. See, go back up, that KD one where he's got the laser eyes. That's when he looked in the camera, that one also. So tune into YouTube if you want to see these memes. Get on the Twitter. You can see them then also. Charles Barkley eating pizza. Auburn basketball legend Charles Barkley, the man with many nicknames about the si- about his size, enjoyed your L while eating pizza in his doorway, which likely led to his portly stature. <laughs> we posted that same uh, iconic Charles Barkley pizza eating in the doorway for our pizza giveaway. Yep, there's some crane kicking. Choose, uh, choose the form of the destructor. <laughs> anyway, you could do this for hours on Twitter, literally. Um, I, I guess for like, Auburn basketball content, the way we are, we'll be scrolling through this stuff for hours. Um, shout, just, shout out to Thomas McMurtry, who I saw on camera several times in the stands. We've heard uh, conflicting, you know, the AU jungle 
took over, as we heard. We heard the chants in the stands, at least I did on the radio call, let's go Auburn in the stands. We heard 30 to 40%, maybe even of the fans there was spread out in different places, but amazing. Good job, Jungle. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I, that's what I wanted to touch on. I, so cool, man. The first bucket of the game, KD goes down like a madman, takes the tip off and scores a layup. And you hear you hear the noise of the cheering. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. And, and it just continued throughout the game. So if you traveled, I know the jungle did a great job promoting that. Um, if we had 30% of people at that stadium, uh, that is awesome. So shout out to everybody who was there. The noise was felt. I, that is exactly what Cardwell was doing. You mentioned earlier in the podcast. He's pumping up all the Auburn fans out there who are standing up while the Alabama fans are sitting down. Um, that's what, what happened in that. What moment. a KD moment, which we didn't mention in the podcast yet. Immediately on the tip, KD got it and went like in some sort of weird fashion straight to the goal, and no one stopped him for two within like the first 0.5 seconds of the game. You never see stuff like that. It's the kind of things that KD, only KD can do. I've never seen other players do it. And, you know, he gave us and he take it. He gave us some a really cool moment there. Shout out to Bryce again. I don't think he listens to the podcast, but I followed him back for the vault meme. Just keep posting the you just lost to the former popular Auburn bar, the vault formerly known as Bodega. This is now for some reason a Whataburger, which is only slightly better than a, pi- a Pyology. Shout out to us people that were there from like 2008 to 2015 or so. Very specific meme. See, there, there's the picture of uh, the ending, uh, all three of them. Jabari, wow, all three of them did it. In sync. In sync. Yeah, you'll have to tune to YouTube to see this last portion. Sorry to all of our podcast listeners <laughs> that are kind of like listening to us ramble for the last like 10 minutes about memes on Twitter, but it is amazing. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention at the top of the broadcast, and we'll let, you know, we'll, we'll end up in our celebration tonight is uh, please rate and review the podcast. I know like every podcast says that. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've never done it. It means a lot to us. Like no one's doing it. So please do it. Like just leave us one. We'll give you a shout out. Uh, do you remember the name of the guy that left that one? Jake, maybe. I'm still waiting for Jake to contact me so we can be best friends. Uh, we can be best friends at any moment, Jake or, or John or whoever left that one. So please, please leave us some. It's You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't even have to have a username or anything. You literally just scroll to the bottom of the Apple podcast catcher thing. And you can leave a, a comment. Just make I, it a nice comment. <laughs> I have had a uh, Kyle, Kyle Pence. Kyle, sorry, I forgot your name, Kyle. When we hang out and be best friends in real life, I won't forget your name anymore. So, All right. Um, I, I've had a couple people follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I think, from, from this. So just appreciate that. I'm not the best Auburn follow, honestly, but. Um, Instagram is, on the other hand. The Instagram so it's, is. It's great. It's gaining every day. We're going to have a respectable follower count soon enough. And we're, we're just really excited. We, obviously, this has been, like, such a great season so far. It's been a fun to talk about. We haven't had to talk about a loss yet, but um, we, we appreciate everybody listening. And it's cool to see. Uh, I had a buddy who didn't know we were doing this who just found it, you know, and, and thought we were doing a good job, at least decently. So um, it's been fun. But rating, ratings and reviews help. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. And I just want it. We've said it. Enjoy every game, even when the losses come. This is such a fun team. Like, I am having so much fun watching them. I know everybody else is. Um, the personalities, I love the swagger. The way they went into that arena tonight, they were confident. I thought their body language was terrific. Um, everybody was together the whole game, working towards one goal. And, uh, man, when it got dicey, they they really uh, they had the cojones to uh, – Oh, the, 
the cojones. We he's dropped the F word and he said cojones. We're we're making the podcast explicit this time. Must be time to close it down. It's late night over here. It is 12:44 at night. So all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh War Eagle, Matt. War Eagle.